Welcome to Portal to Ascension Radio. Together we will embark on a journey of awakening and exploration. I'm your host and the founder of Portal to Ascension, Neil Gore. Since 2008, we have been dedicated to providing a stream of awareness on a range of empowering and consciousness-raising topics. Through our events, webinars, conferences, retreats, and workshops, we bring together a community of researchers, spiritualists, archaeologists, consciousness explorers, and other experts who share their knowledge and insights. Our platform serves as a resource for discovering the ancient origins of humanity, unraveling the truth of the extraterrestrial presence, holistic wellness, exposing hidden truths, and expanding our awareness beyond the third dimension. On our YouTube channel, you will find full-length presentations and interviews that dive deeper into all you experience on this podcast. Search for Portal to Ascension on YouTube. On Portal to Ascension Radio, we feature captivating discussions, interviews, and presentations. Our guests are all featured on our website, portaltoascension.org, where you can sign up to receive free access to hundreds of presentations covering that diverse awareness we explore. Portal to Ascension Radio is here to guide you on this extraordinary quest as we shift into the next octave of existence. We appreciate and love you. Let's get into today's discussion. So today, this panel, as you can tell from the title, is the extraterrestrial experience panel. We started out with Galactic Origins because that's the Portal to Ascension theme for the year. What is our ancestry? Did we come from the galaxy? And then we went into the Ascension panel about upliftment of you know, our consciousness vibration into this new reality. Now, this is the this is where the conversation really has to take place, is that not only are we not alone, but we're actually having these conversations now. So we're going to be having the extraterrestrial experience panel speaking about these types of interactions that some of the panelists have, and then some of the panelists maybe have communicated, interacted with other people that have had um, connections or contact experiences themselves. So a panelist today, before I bring him on, we have Matthew John, internationally recognized spiritual teacher, intuitive psychic medium, trans channeler, intuitive astrologer, starseed guide, energy healer, speaker, and spiritual life coach, also channels archangels, ascended masters, channels the Syrians, and I think other beings as well. We have Victor Furman, who is a Reverend Dr. Victor Furman, is a healer, spiritual counselor, and author whose deep and rich voice inspired the radio handle Victor the Voice. With his soulful sound, he helps people heal. He also does this through energy work and ceremony and is the host and producer of Destination Unlimited. So as I'm doing this, I'll bring on Matthew, bring on Victor there. And then our last panelist is Craig Campobasso, and he's a multiple award-winning filmmaker, Emmy-nominated casting director. Craig was 15 when he started to in the entertainment business. After graduating high school at age 17, he went to work behind the scenes on blockbuster films, such as Frank Herbert's Dune, directed by David Lynch, and two Arnold Schwarzenegger movies as well. His latest book, well, he says another book after this, this is a little old. His latest book was E.T. Species Almanac, Ultimate Guide to Greys, Reptilians, Hybrids, and Nordics, was a bestseller on Amazon and released in 2021. And his new book, The UFO Hotspot Compendium, all the places to visit before you die are, are abducted. For MUFON books, was released October 1st, 2022, so you can check those out. And Craig, Matthew, and Victor will all be a part of the event this weekend. So we're here to have a discussion yes. to open up the energy. So welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to start, let's let's start with um, 
So I know, Matthew, I've seen what what you share. You know, we've been in communication. I know you're connecting with these beings. And I feel, Craig, I'm not sure if you had any experiences yourself. Well, you probably have on some level. Oh, yeah. Had conversations <laughs> with many people, right? And Victor, mm -hmm. your story is going to be new to me. So let's, let's start with just um, the general conversation of first contact, right? Like extraterrestrial experiences, the conversation is so much about the technology and things like that. But when you get down to the experiences that people are having, what kind of experiences are generally there? Is it, do you feel this more of a benevolent contact? Because we have some people that call themselves abductees, right? And feel that maybe they're a victim to it. Is that a reality? And then there's people like you and people you connect with that probably have more of a benevolent experience. So Matthew, let's start with you. Yeah, great questions. Thank you, Neil. Um, so I've had uh, dozens of clients over the years that have been abductees specifically of the greys. And it is a horrifying experience. It's something that I would never wish on anyone. So, I mean, that question, that, that word victim is an interesting one, though, right? Because there's a question to be posed, at, you know, people that are so-called victims of being abducted by the greys. Is there something on a soul level where there's some sort of soul contract that their soul had actually desired that experience? And that's a big part of my work. I have been for over a decade doing what's called soul plan readings, where I actually look into what someone's soul planned for their earthly experience and also for their, you know, many other lifetimes on earth. And I actually have found that I think almost, I think always, I think always that there is a direct, there's a specific contract. There's a specific reason why a soul is not only, um, you know, giving consent to, but actually desiring to experience an abduction from the greys. It has to do with balancing out other experiences from other lifetimes on Earth and also from for those that are starseeds from other experiences on other planets. For example, some that come from Orion's belt may want to experience all sorts of different um, types of experiences of being taken advantage of on earth and also taking advantage of others because of the karma that lies in Orion's belt due to the Orion Wars where, you know, dark draconian beings went around conquering all sorts of Orion, innocent Orion planets, right? So I have, I've, interestingly, interestingly enough, I found a direct connection between those that are abductees by the greys and also those that are in the secret space program in this life with actually having at least one lifetime serving in a very dark army on earth like the SS in Nazi Germany. And a lot of times there's this, I found that actually, I think a lot of these people when they were in the SS in Nazi Germany actually had basically signed away their soul in a way where they had consented to in a future lifetime actually being an abductee of the greys and i think there's a lot of other ways that this can happen but that's what i've found and then of course you know i've led people on hundreds and hundreds of these very benevolent contact journeys with the syrians with the pleiadians with the lyrans with the andromedans with the yael etc so i have a great um i think perspective of both sides of the story with that thanks for sharing brother and Craig, so how would you reconcile, like, from the experiences that you have? I feel you've probably spoken to many people in the hybridization program as well. Actually, I know you have. And you've probably heard some stories that people said that were kind of traumatic for them, right? So how do you reconcile those two worlds? 
Well, I, I, it's just like Matthew was saying, there, every single person is going to have something different of why it's being attracted to them. Like um, for me, my experiences with uh, Universal Master Teachers began when I was 26, right? I was just, I was a valley dude who went to work and went out and had fun on the weekends, never thought about extraterrestrial beings, what was out there in the universe. And then all of a sudden, within two years time, these three beings took me from zero to awake. And then said, you know, you came here to write, uh, to write, and now you're gonna sit down and write and keep writing, don't stop, don't edit. Um, just write and write and write until you can write no more. So back then I had no idea what channeling was, what automatic writing was. They put three portals in my little one bedroom apartment at the time, and they would wake me up at 3 a.m. every morning to write. And I would see them come down the portals in their energy signatures and they'd be standing around me. And in the first, in the first probably six months, my body would ring with chills because their energy vibration was so high, right? Until I just started acclimating to that energy. And then one of my guides uh, is a seven foot seven Pleiadian man who actually is a professor at the University of Melchizedek and he's in charge of star seeds and training them before their journeys to earth, right? So that was a big part of what I was writing. And that's what, what came out in these books. Oops, there we go. The Autobiography of an Extraterrestrial. There we go. Uh, saga. And the first book is called I Am Tehran. It's a four-part book series. So... Um, it's it's really what they were teaching is about duality because we're dualistic. All of them who are coming here to help us are fully conscious. They're in their divine perfection bodies, right? So, but all at different levels as well. And um, uh, so, it, it's uh, we follow Tehran. Um, Tehran was born dualistic in a fully conscious society, they explain they, there's in every 200,000 births, there's one that will be born dualistic so that the fully conscious beings have a mirror and vice versa, right? And so we actually learn why Tehran was put in charge of the star seeds, right? Being dualistic as well, but also uh, three books, one and three, we go through his journey of how he attains his Christendom, right? So the reader actually becomes the lead character of the book and goes out there. Now, I've, I've met so many people throughout the years who are experiencers, and I, I, I'm sure that uh, Victor and Matthew will agree that, um, that really how the planet is going to raise is through starseeds and experiencers because starseeds are the experiencers because we're all raising our vibration to get the vibration of the planet up and once we hit a certain plateau it just starts to shift over and once that shift happens we rejoin 
galactic society, right? Because we're fully conscious. They're they're raising us. You know, I I love the saying that we're all gods in training down here, right? Mm-hmm. And star seeds have ascended many 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 times, right? Because they they go in, they go out. There's lots of star seeds that love to do this service for different planets and things like that in their agenda. Um, I have though met some people who have had some very dark experiences. Um, We know that uh, Calvin Parker had a very horrific experience uh, in the Pascagoula incident, female alien with the strange three robots um, did heinous things uh, to him and he feared her. She, She had visited him pretty much throughout his life. He would never talk about exactly what she did because I believe that he was so afraid if he spoke it, it w- she would come back, right? And I talked to his publisher about it because I, I put he's in the UFO hotspot book, you know, where you can go visit exactly where that uh, where that experience took place. Um, another man was brought to me um, who was abducted and they put eye implants in him. So when he lifted up his, uh, you know, uh, eyelids and stuff, you saw that there was an apparatus going all around his eyeball. And he said, it's freaking me out because they're seeing everything I'm seeing. They're hearing everything I hear. And he said, and I know if I go and have them removed, which to him, you know, to have your eyeballs popped out is not, something anybody wants to have done. He said, I know they'll just put them back, right? So, um, so yeah, there, there's many things, you know, I've talked to Yvonne Smith and Barbara Lamb because they've done so many um, sessions with people who have been abducted or contactees. And uh, Yvonne, uh, you know, she said, Everyone in the beginning, you know, it's a it's a frightening experience. It's terrifying um, because you don't know what's going on, and they're so strange looking to all of a sudden wake up and there they are, right? She said, but most of them come around, right, and um, uh, and and feel that it was for a purpose and that in some way, shape, or form, they sort of escalated in their spirituality and they may have been given a gift, right? Yep. And this is just not from greys. I mean, there's also, you know, the ant people did this to the Allagash and the Allagash abduction, um, you know, as well, they left those guys with with a gift that, uh, you know, that came in many, many years later. So um, even though we might not understand it, but Matthew is absolutely like on Johnny on the money when you say, when you come in, especially as a star seed, you, you actually give your approval to, for them to check you and, um, you know, they're, they're also building, no, well, not, not buildings, not the right word, but creating hybrids, right, which they call the seventh ray race, so that when the earth is then changed over this seventh ray race, which is part earth and part extraterrestrial human looking, will then come 
be guides and teachers in all the cities. Yeah, as well. it's interesting because um, you know that concept. Because we, you know, I've done many experiencer conferences. I've done like ten years ago, I did a three day event just on experiencers, and uh, recently we did some things too. And it's almost like the hybridization thing has become even more controversial than it ever has now because there's yeah. some people that are being um, taken, abducted, and that are uh, so adamant about it being against their free will that they, we've had debates on our platform, heated discussions and debates. Actually, sometimes people have to leave. Like it was like that on our YouTube, um, and we have it there still. Where there was like pro like you hybridization program. And then right. those that have been taken and are part of the hybridization program that were like emotionally triggered and one person almost crying about the trauma she continues to experience. Right. So the whole awareness yeah. that we have these soul contracts, you know, and then there's those, the three elements basically from my being in this, we have the victimized people who believe it's a victim abduction. Right. We have the people who believe it's a positive experience experiencer. And then we have the neutral term contactee. And to your point, Travis Walton thought that he was a victim until right. recently. And right. he was on my conference in 2018 speaking about how he shifted from real thinking it was something happening to him to realizing the bigger picture. So ultimately, we are within this limited frequency of being able to be aware of why we came here and what we did, right? Why we chose Absol Absolutely. But there are, there are people, though, just so you know, that don't have a soul contract and they are abducted. There are, there is a whole section also uh, of those people. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, um, so, I mean, I see everybody's point of view. I think it's whatever that person is feeling in the moment. And then they just sort of go along in their journey. Right. Yeah. And sort of figure it out for themselves. So, right, right. can I make a quick comment? Uh, just on what yeah. Craig was saying and Craig, I love everything you were saying. Um, and, you know, this, I mean, look, all this stuff, everything we're talking about on Portal to Ascension for the next four days is fascinating. And, I mean, I think if we're humble and honest, we don't really know for sure, do we, right? We're all just researchers trying our best to figure this out. At least that's the way I see it. And just from my research over the years, I just want to give a bit of a counter perspective. I don't know what the actual truth is, just this is my research. I don't think that just being a starseed actually... I don't think that means you give any sort of inherent consent to be abducted by negative beings. I think it's something that happens on Earth. So I think that when, as a star being, you come into the astral field of Earth, so from the same place that you as a soul are planning out your lifetimes, that's where if you desire to have the experience of being a contactee or, a, or abductee, you would mm -hmm. then make that contract just as you would make right. a contract with another earth being. So I just want to clarify from my perspective, again, I don't know for sure, but I don't think just being a start, because from my research, about 40% of earth are starseeds. So it's far more people than I think most people understand. And so obviously not that many people uh, yeah. are being contacted or abducted by negative beings. Yeah, right. That's that's true. And usually negative beings, if they're going to attack a starseed, not abduct them, but attack them, it's to knock them off their spiritual game. Yeah. And look, that's the thing. Like, yeah. you know, I've done hundreds and hundreds of these regression journeys for people. They're called the starseed discovery sessions. 
And I can't tell you how many times we've had interference from the Grays. A lot of times the Grays come in and they actually try to trick the client and myself. I know better, but they try to trick the client by taking on the form of what looks like a benevolent being. But we can always right. ask them, yeah. you know, there's some sort of weird rule where if you ask them three times, they have to tell you that they're Yeah, I heard that one too. So not, we'll talk about being yeah. tricked in a moment because I want to mm-hmm. get into that. Yeah. Victor, I'd love to hear from you, brother. What are your thoughts on this? And also, we've never talked about your experiences before, so I'd love to hear, you know, what your experiences have been. Well, this coming Wednesday will be my 71st solar return. And uh, I use the word solar return in a very Happy birthday, way. brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I've always had positive experiences. My first one that I can recall, I was five years old. And I used to call my experiences night school because the beings that I would be with who would come and get get me at night uh, would teach me things that I had no other source of information for. When I was five years old, 1958, and growing up in in New York, uh, my friends were into toy soldiers and they were into sporting goods and they were into I wanted to build radios. I wanted my first toy was a crystal radio. I wanted to build electronics. I was fascinated by electronics and electricity. And a lot of that came from what I used to call my night school. Had a very interesting experience when I was in first grade. The teacher had a book on the shelf called You Will Go to the Moon. That was 1959. And I asked the teacher, can I borrow this book? And she said, of course. And I took it home. Two weeks later, she said, you know, you borrowed the book. You have to bring it back. I said, I can't. She said, why? I said, because it's wrong. She said, how do you know it's wrong? I said, because I've been there. So that led to my parents being called to school, the counselors, <laughs> all kinds of wonderful things, uh, but but uh, labeled it with an overactive imagination. But these things kept happening and happening. And my take recently, uh, I put on my Facebook uh, profile, I said, visitor from a small planet staying here to make a difference. And that's really what I feel I've been doing the last that's 25 right. years. Yeah. I've been teaching, I've been healing, uh, I've been bringing positive messages because in this world we need those positive and wonderful and reassuring mes- messages. We need to know that we're all brothers and sisters. We need to know that we're here to take care of one another. And one of the things I had the blessing of attending an interfaith seminary, one of the first in the United States or, or in the world actually, back in the 90s. And one of the things that I learned that, that is that in every faith, There is an iteration of the golden rule, some version of the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And if everybody put everything else aside and just practiced that, what a world we would have. What a wonderful world we would have. That's right. Had some non-contact experiences. And I was in the Air Force from 1973 to 1979. And in 1977, I was stationed down at Homestead Air Force Base in Florida. And uh, I was part of the base information team, and uh, we would take uh, rotations every Friday for weekends, answering phone calls from people who would call press or anybody who would call with questions about the Air Force or the base or anything going on. And uh, one Friday, I got a call, and uh, this guy said, uh, we, have, uh, we saw a UFO by the base. And I had a line that I had to read. It was a disclaimer that the Air Force made us read, which basically said the Air Force closed Project Blue Book uh, we, because that the UFOs were not considered a threat to national security. And, you know, it is what it is. And that's all we were allowed to say. In any event, one Friday, I got a call from my commander who said, I'm taking over for the weekend. You don't have to do anything. I'll talk to you about it on Monday. I said, great, wonderful. That Monday morning, he called me in. And he said, uh, the reason I took over is on Friday night, 
a Cuban MIG came in, a defector came in and landed at the base, and we don't want anyone to know about it. And I said, I understand. The next week, I took the session on again, took on the responsibility of answering the phone, and I got another call. And the guy called me up and said about the UFO, and I read the disclaimer. And he said, well, what do you explain about the UFO that landed on the base last week? And this started my process of thinking. And later I came to re research and found out that the story of the Cuban MiG didn't happen in 1977. It happened five years earlier than that. So something did land there. Later, Nixon took Jackie Gleason to Homestead Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. And the story is he showed him a craft and beings. So mm -hmm. I, I never I never really got into that myself. I don't know the entire story other than what the press has been in the interviews and so on and so forth. Um, later on, my understanding led to something different. I started getting messages and they would be like a voice in my head, not my voice, but a voice in my head, always a reassuring voice. And every time I listened to that voice, if that voice gave me an information to follow, it was a positive response. And it led to a series of what Carl Jung referred to as synchronicities, uh, meaningful coincidences without causal connection. And every time one of these would come, I'd say yes and yes. And I believe that those who were my teachers, my guides, my, my, my family, my space family, were the ones who were sending me those messages. And I've had nothing but positive experience. One time I had a negative experience. And this was when I was stationed in Korea. And one morning I woke up about three o'clock in the morning and I had a sense that there was something in the room that shouldn't have been there. Uh, I believe they were grays. I sensed that they were grays. I didn't see them, but I sensed that they were grays. And I basically said, you must let me go. Let me go. Do not take me. And they let me go. In 1998, I attended a uh, gathering here in New York, one of these conferences here in New York. And uh, there was a woman by the name of Barbara Marciniak who wrote a book called mm -hmm. Bringers of the Dawn. Yes. And she was talking about the Pleiadians. And as soon as she started talking, I heard her talking about it. I immediately connected with that energy. And I have a sense of yeah. those were my teachers when I was when I was a kid growing up. I really yeah. resonated with that. So I want to segue now and talk because we've mentioned grays a few times here. So let's have a conversation about grays. Okay. So that's one of the most common experiences. That's the ones that they show us and all that. And so Matthew, you know, from what I've experienced of you so far in our interactions, you communicate with different types of galactic beings. And um, so have you received any information about the greys and are all of their agendas negative, right? I'm, I'm not telling you what I believe, I'm just asking you to kind you of know, get into yeah. it. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Of, and I know there's a lot of different perspectives about greys. Some people think that there are benevolent greys. I think the... Um, I think the, the the delta between like what you know the side that says oh you know there are actually helpful and benevolent grays versus like me which would say there aren't they're all negative is I think a just a a difference in the the nomenclature of what we're calling these beings for example the zeta reticulans or the zeta reticuli some people think that they're the grays they're not they're totally different. Uh, race of beings mm -hmm. and they're very benevolent they are they're very cold and unemotional but they're very benevolent they look like the grays but they're very benevolent the grays that are doing the abductions my understanding is they are soulless so they're not like you and i they're not like animals they're not like plants where they have a soul they're closer to ai so they're closer to the ai robots that are 
you know, being created and will be continue to be created over the next, uh, you know, couple decades. Um, and they basically do the bidding of, of beings that do have souls that are negatively oriented beings like the reptilians, for example, that are essentially above them and essentially farm out their, you know, genetic research that they want to do for the, to the grace, for the grace to do it. So my understanding is they are not good beings at all. And I think it's when people are thinking of the good grays, I really think they're thinking of the Zeta Reticulans and they don't know the difference. All right. So I, I know, Craig, you speak of the grays too. So I want to, we'll segue into you in a second, but follow up question to that. So if the Zeta Reticulis um, maybe don't have a negative agenda, does that mean that they have souls? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And do all um, grays are, because we hear the story about, humans basically and they had to go underground and the, the biologics of the human no longer worked a gray body was created is this the definition of a gray a gray body was created consciousness transferred now they can't have emotions and they can't um, procreate right so is that kind of like the I, I th yeah however they're created it's it's not like a, a birth from a womb it's a totally different it's it's like a, la a lab laboratory process whatever it is some somewhere off planet and you know again there I, I i think what you're describing could be how it works yeah i don't know for sure i just know that they're not like you and i they they don't have souls yeah because we have the ebe's extraterrestrial biological entities that are kind of like the grays then we have interdimensional traveling grays right it runs the gamut from being in well the that's field. the thing is is there's probably different types of grays that come from outside of this galaxy that may or even from outside of this dimension that may come in and they may be a different type. Maybe there's gray. I'm sure there's look, the, whether it's humanoid aliens, you know, very tall humanoid aliens, blue yeah. looking like avatar type aliens. There's an, an innumerable amount of, of different types of these beings because right. you know, the multiverse is unlimited, right? right, right so I think right. there could be other types of grays that come in from other dimensions or from other galaxies that then may have interactions here. I don't know about them. All I know is that the the grays that are the ones that do the crop circles, the negative crop circles, and the grays that are the ones that do the negative abductions are not good at all, and I don't think any of them have souls. Matthew, are you saying there are 50 shades of grays? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, Victor the Voice. Yes. Can you say it in a little more like, uh, you know, 50 shades type 50 shades well i i've you know in in my research there's people who have had negative experiences positive experiences but um like matthew was saying where some of them are from i and i i usually get this mixed up like zeta reticula one is either more of the positive or the negative space, and the other one is purely positive. And so those beings don't like the name grays. They prefer to be called Zeta humans, right? If there were <clears throat> what we would say a gray type, even if they were tall, medium, large, supersized, if they were from Orion, they prefer to be called Orion humans. They just don't like that connotation uh, that's here. There are so many varying uh, things about the 
you know, the uh, gray automatons or exactly, uh, uh, they're built to do just what Matthew was saying. They're built to go and explore. They're built to do abductions. Their consciousness can be upgraded at any time. They're, they're masters, whether they're on a ship or on their home planet. They, uh, you know, whatever is going on with them in that moment, they can uh, help it to manipulate the situation, uh, even if they're caught, right? And then there's, you know, there's beings, you know, I, I had the extreme pleasure of sitting with uh, Clifford Stone uh, for a whole day and listening to him because he was, um, I don't know if it was a gray or some kind of Zeta, uh, he was an interfacer for the military, right? And they liked him, right? Charles Hall also was a facilitator for the tall whites and the grays that are, are out near Las Vegas, right? Because they both had their two little sections. And, you know, I've gone out to dinner uh, with him and sat in his lectures and picked his brain, his book is, you know, uh, just so interesting to have those experiences, but those beings had no qualms in killing a human if they thought it was going to harm them or their children. Right. right. And they, they supposedly had killed several guards before that were in his position. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, how does this yeah. connect to Craig uh, and Matthew Victor whoever wants to chime in on this, but how does this connect to the hybridization program? Because, you know, let's just go with Bashar's information that so yeah. many people have been going deeper into since he came up with that. You know, the, the Yael's, I think it was six hybrid races, right? Yael was one of them. Forget the other one's names now. And um, there'll be the seven, in, seven in total, by the way. Seven, okay. Seven so the Yael supposedly are the ones that we're going to interact with first, and they're right. going to teach us space travel. Right. Um, but they are hybridization of a gray race coming to interact with. Actually, all of them are um, hybridizations of that. And yet they, and people have hybrid children, there's hybrid children support groups, and all of this connects to the grades agenda of genetic manipulation, right? So like if most of them are nefarious, then what are the beings that they're creating? Are they creating like positive beings? Like, you know, can you speak on that a bit, Craig? And then you, Matthew, Victor, if you want to jump into Sure. Um, I mean, it's it's all dependent on the agenda of who's ever doing the hybridization, right? Daryl explains that the greys used to be human, the ones that he or that he's talking about 300 years in the future, right? That, and his self there is Bashar, right? So they have a complete connect, right? I know his story really well. I, I cast his film, Bashar First Contact, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. And then we did Alienated a few years ago after that. Um, but they degenerated and they had to, I think he said they had to go underground and and they had to sort of turn themselves into greys and then they had to figure out a way to get back right and that was through human dna and and so they started integrating it and then building each of uh you know each of the races uh as they're coming up over 
the thousands of years. Daryl, um, Daryl is in my uh, ET Species Almanac documentary. He explains it so well, um, exactly, you know, that whole process of that kind of hybridization. So, yeah. Yeah. Victor, do you have anything to say on that? I just wanted to ask a question rather than have anything to say about it. Um, I'm not an anthropologist, but aren't all of humanity and initially hybrids? Aren't we hybrids? Yes, aren't we, we are. Hybridized? We are. Yeah, we are. I Here's what I say. <laughs> just like 23andMe, there's going to be a day where you can do the test and they're going to say, you're part Pleiadian, <laughs> you're part Venusian, <laughs> you're part this. You're part yeah. that because we really are. We really are. We have all of that DNA. I mean, really, this whole planet is DNA royalty because we are such a great hodgepodge of it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so I just want to comment on a couple of things. So um, I haven't dug far enough into Bashar's work to know really even the details of the story you were sharing uh you and neil and craig were sharing um all i can say from my end for my research independent of anyone else's channelings research etc is the yagel are completely benevolent beings i don't i haven't heard anything about what you guys described about mm -hmm. a hybridization between the yagel and the grays i don't know i just haven't heard anything and as far as like you know, the, the comment, Craig, about like the 23 and me for your, you know, your your galactic DNA. <laughs> I like to um, explain this a lot that the way I see it and my research would show that there's a difference between the DNA of your physical vessel and your galactic origins as a soul. They're two mm -hmm. different things. As a soul, my soul originates in the Andromeda galaxy. I've been a blue avian. I've been a Syrian, I've been an Orion being, and who knows, maybe there's others I haven't even discovered about myself yet. So that's my like 23 and me for my galactic origins as a soul. Mm -hmm. However, you know, if we ran, you know, if I did a genetic test for my DNA, I'm going to of course align with my blood family, right? And yes, there I, my understanding is that the Lyrans and the Pleiadians specifically, we have their DNA in the entire human genetic pool. And I do believe that there are probably others that I'm just not sure enough about yet to be able to say for sure they are. The Pleiadians and the Lyrans, I know for sure. And funny enough, we look very much like the Pleiadians, some humans, not all, a, a good percentage do. And a, a good percentage look somewhat like some types of Lyran beings, right? And But again, there's probably many others, and that may be something I haven't discovered fully yet. Yeah, um, I just looked it up. Um, so the Yaya El beings are the the fifth hybrid race of the Sasani, which which were originally the Grey. So the first one, and it's actually in the book, uh, Matthew, under okay. Sasani beings. Just just so you know, um, the first hybrid race were the small Greys, known as the Maze, is how he said it. Uh, then the taller Greys were known as the Mazani. Sasani beings, which is what Bashar is, half human, half gray. Um, Sheya L beings are slightly more human looking, and then the Yaya L beings are very human like. The sixth race, 
um, will be Earth humans becoming the sixth race known as the Inaka. And then there's uh, two more after that that I'm not sure if those have been created yet. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. a concept that I hear quite often is that within this reality of duality, that there is no just one polarity within races, right? That there's positive and negative polarity. I guess when you get to a state of no emotional expression and not being able to experience it, you could act very cold and detach from actually having empathy towards any being, right? But one of the races that we have the most controversy from that I would say a lot of people kind of feel that they're all negative would be the reptilians, right? And um, just like you shared, Matthew, there's so many different human species, right? Well, there's gotta be a lot of um, a lot of reptilians, and from my experience, there are. And serpentine beings and dragon races all having the same ancestry connection, right? And I yeah, actually and had a question last year where I was, I saw myself as three different reptilian beings, right? Yeah. So, you know, I would love for us to just take a moment here to talk about polarity, especially when it comes to the reptilians. Yeah, you know, I I also at, at one time kind of had a weird experience uh, on a psychedelic of seeing myself as some sort of reptilian type being, right? And it, I, I agree. I don't think that all are negative. Actually, I'm, I'm sure that all are not negative, that there's many types of benevolent reptilian type or serpentine type races around uh, the galaxy and around the universe. However, again, like the greys, the ones that are interacting with Earth and the ones that are here are all negative. They are all like all the ones that I believe live at the center of the Earth, the, the full winged ones. And then the ones that are the hybrids that, you know, go around as our very famous politicians and celebrities, the people on the Epstein Island list, et cetera, those are all negative reptilians. I, I believe, and I'm pretty sure there are positive reptilian and serpentile races. What, you know, what does the word reptilian mean? It just means that it's a type of being that looks reptilian, like an iguana, like a gecko, like a salamander, et cetera, right? It doesn't imply any negativity. Now, when we talk about the draconian beings, right, from Draco, we're specifically talking about negative reptilian beings that are the ones that are here on Earth causing all the problems and really have caused all the problems in the entire galaxy. But it doesn't mean that there also aren't some positive reptilian beings out there. Yeah, just remember, um, my beings are Pleiadian beings too, Victor, and um, highly spiritual. And um, uh, and the one thing that always stuck with me in the beginning is they said that only judge the individual and not the race. Right. So, um, what what I have found in um, now, I don't do regressions or anything like Matthew does, but a lot of people do uh, find their way to me. Um, a lot of the very smart um, indigo uh, children and that kind of thing. I've met a bunch of them. Some of them, uh, even one boy at even age 11 spoke five different star languages. Um, I mean, amazing thing. He also spoke Pleiadian. I, I had him speak Pleiadian for me. And um, I got an EVP, a, a class A EVP of a woman on a ship speaking another language, which is not an earth language. 
and I played it for him and he goes, oh, that's a Pleiadian. They're telling you that they set up a base near you. And I, and I said, okay, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. But the thing that was happening to him and his brother and his father is because these kids were so brilliant and smart, they were brainiacs. I mean, they had a whole thing set up at their house where these kids were building things and they were telling me how they were going to build this and how it was going to uh, do this for the earth and that for the yeah. earth. I mean, these were like high masters in, in these uh, kids' bodies. Um, but they were having terrifying nightmares of reptilians every single night. They were chasing both, both boys and the father, and they were all having the exact same dreams, right? So, um, you know, so they came to me and, you know, I said, look, I had it in the beginning. You, what you have to do, you know, you just give them a process uh, because you can make it not happen anymore, right? Just like Victor, just like Victor said uh, in his experience. And, um, but, um, it was interesting because I said, look, they're just trying to knock you off your game so that you go into fear. And once you rise above fear, and if you want, put them in a little bubble of love, they'll run far, far away. Right? I, wonder, I wonder if human aversion to reptilians, be it snakes or alligators or crocodiles, or whatever they might right. be, is something that's being projected based on those basic, those ancient fears. I yeah, think so. I think absolutely, so. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Very well, could be. Yeah, I've been. Um, that's something I've been thinking of deeply lately, because over the so last year, as I said, I had actually two regressions, and then I had two weeks of plant medicine, and all of those experiences, including the plant medicine, filled in gaps of the same experience, and they're all connected to the history of reptilians. Mm. And I'm actually doing a presentation on it, or I'm going to do it in a few months. And what I got from uh, one of those ceremonies I was in was that there was a trauma, a reptilian trauma, and we put it in our text, you know? And so we kind of blanket statement every single one of those beings. And also I, I got that a lot of the benevolent ones that are it's, it's, have expanded consciousness, tapped into a higher power, a lot of those ones um, realize that the darkness and the light work in the way that it should, that it's a beautiful dance. Everything needs to manifest the way it is. And they also go with a law of non-interference. So when they see us struggling, they don't they, they kind of see it as part of our growth and they have a hands-off approach. Who are the ones that don't have a hands-off approach? People that don't the beings that don't see that, right? The beings that want to actually have um, affect our free will or have an agenda to put on. So yeah. a lot of times we only get to experience part of the race that has an agenda, whereas the other part of the race is unconditionally watching us. And when it comes right. to the dragon races, unconditionally supporting us without even needing an acknowledgement because ego isn't even involved in it. So that's some of the information that came from me. And, and look yeah. at the serpent in the Garden of Eden. This yeah. is where it yeah. started. And, and and also, you know, going back to Zechariah Sitchin's books, right? Who who were these beings? These were the reptilians. These were the, the Anunnaki are the reptilians. They're a group of them, right? And they were mating with humans in not the consensual way, probably, and creating some sort of hybrid race. So, of you know, course, there's going to be that unconscious trauma written into all of the human collective. 
I'm surprised no uh, more people don't talk about dolphins. Do you know that dolphins, marine scientists have found that dolphins actually have their own Bible? In their version of Ecclesiastes, it says, to everything there is a season and a time for every porpoise under heaven. Okay. <laughs> I knew that was a joke. I just said, no uh, idea where it was going. When he said they have their own Bible, I had to like, wait a second. I know, I know. Poipus. 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 <laughs> From New York. Poipus. Poipus. You, know, you know, Neil, you were talking about like, you know, we only, you know, at least like humans that don't, haven't yet developed the upper chakra connections, we could say, or haven't delved into this stuff that our only kind of reference point is with the negative beings that do have an agenda. And, you know, that's spot on because what the Syrians tell me all the time and to my groups all the time is that they are intentionally not interfering and that the Pleiadians as well are intentionally not interfering because they can, they, it's all by contract. It's all, there's a specific uh, plan for the planetary ascension of earth. And, you know, back in Atlantis and Lemuria, supposedly the Pleiadians interfered more than maybe they should have looking back. And they kind of said, okay, we're never going to try to tinker with things to that extent again, because it actually ended up backfiring because it would create, I think, a counter resistance of more darkness that, and then we saw what happened with the, with Atlantis and Lemuria. But nowadays, you know, the Syrians and the Pleiadians their watchful eyes. I do believe the one thing they do do is they prevent nuclear war because nuclear war mm-hmm. has happened many times before on this planet. Right. And if it were to happen again, it would be way worse than before. But at least, it, you know, it'd be like what happened in Atlantis, which was way worse than World War II. And supposedly what happens is when a planet has some sort of nuclear war on the surface, it actually creates ripples. It creates kind of like a tear in the space-time fabric. And it actually, the, neg- the negativity and the negative karma then uh, leaches out to the rest of the galaxy. And so the whole galaxy as a whole has to deal with it. Supposedly, from my understanding, is we're at the point right now in our galactic history where the entire gal- galaxy itself is actually intending to up-level in vibrational frequency as she prepares to merge with the Andromeda galaxy and create a new super galaxy. So because of that, so many planets around the Milky Way are attempting their ascension process now and that's why earth's ascension is so important because every planet around the milky way that's stuck at 3d has to actually ascend now one of the things that i personally experienced over the last few years and maybe it's uh, age and maturity and what have you but i'm meeting more and more people that i consider to be part of my soul family and having the same experience that they're having yes this this sense of this this emergence of this wonderful knowledge and this wonderful empathy also and compassion. And I think that this is what we're working toward. This is what it's about for, at least for me, that's what it's about. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it resonate deeply with you saying whole galaxy is ascending. And you know, a lot of people say that we're doing something that hasn't been done before and it's up leveling all of that into this higher consciousness. Yeah. Plus we've been going through these cycles of time, this resets, the great year, evolution, devolution, something I bring up, actually brought up on both other panels today, a discussion about that. If we've been going through a remembrance and a forgetfulness over and over and over again, it's almost like the definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and not even living well, the last It's time. actually by design because it's a spiral. So every time we right. try it, we're it's actually a, a little level. bit closer to the galactic center than before. Right, right, right. So are we breaking free from that cycle to continue evolving without forgetfulness? Yes, yeah. Yeah, th- this is the time where it's planned that we we are. 
And we really have to because the galaxy herself has made the decision to basically eliminate this experiment of having negative consciousness run amok, run free without any rules throughout the galaxy because it's it's caused so much damage throughout the galaxy and it's made it so difficult for the galaxy herself. It's as if she is feeling so much weight from this virus of negative consciousness that she says, okay, now, now I'm making the decision. This experiment is over. And so all planets, all systems must ascend. Now, from our perspective on our little planet, that could be billions of years. We don't know, right? We're just experiencing in our own timeline, our own experience of time, right? But, you know, I mean, look, we look at stars, right? We look at the stars and the, we're seeing lights from millions of years ago, right? So the whole concept of time is a whole nother thing. But from our perspective, it has to happen now and it will because we've entered the photon belt again. And we've entered the photon belt much closer to the galactic center than ever before. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we have the requisite light that is streaming in from the galactic center. Our sun is basically this relay point. It's directing it towards our planet, and we're able to spiritually ascend. It's not going to happen in a day, a year, or even a decade. It's going to take a while, right? But we're as we enter the Aquarian age, astrologically speaking, Pluto's entering Aquarius now, and then the entire uh, planetary age of Aquarius begins around 2043, most Western astrologers, myself included, would say. So... Over the next couple of decades, we're absolutely stepping into that and there's no turning back. Right, right. So this is a good segue into some closing points there. So if we are going into this essential process, it could be a day, could be 20 years, could be longer. Um, how do we get to a place sooner than later where we don't live in chaos, right? And maybe it's a perspective shift. Do we have harmony in store for us in our near future or is it, as I said, is it a perspective shift? Is there harmony now? And if we see the systems crumbling and we're like, oh my God, my bank account and my job as a lawyer is no longer valid, freaking out. Or and do we just expand our consciousness to realizing that this is all crumbling for a specific reason? So how can we get to that world and create harmony now? And it definitely will start from within. So what's your what's your take on that? Let's start with you, Craig. Um, I, everybody always asks me what they can do. Um, and I always say, actually just spiritually work on yourself, realize that your emotions are the tools to mastery. When you master your emotions, you be, will become, uh, fully conscious, right? You will be working from the heart. You'll join the heart and the mind will become one and, uh, your, you will no longer have, um, uh, your ego, right? And so I think it really is if everyone concentrates on that, there are certain people that are here to do the, the mass for the masses. But I believe if everybody really just stays there, then that those sparks, those connections will go out. They're going to reach out. They're going to even touch everything in the universe that's going to help spark that will get us into the next level. Now, do we really all know how that's going to happen? Uh, I, I mean, we've all thought about it, but I don't know. I don't know, you know, is it a subtle shift and we're here and then we're there and we don't even know it? Or how, how does that happen? I don't know. Right. You know, I, I would say that science, including maps of our solar system, our galaxy, that Matthew spoke about us going back in the photon belt, 
into a different position in our galaxy. There's actually like actual NASA, um, you know, trajectories of the the planet that prove what we've been talking about metaphysically. We are entering the milk yep. of the Milky Way. Yeah. There is the high concentration of ether here. Yep. There is a bow shock going upwards like a drum being mm -hmm. banged from our galaxy with a frequency bow shock hitting our planet. Right. So there's there's a lot of like this is all being proven now through science. You know, to me, metaphysics is metaphorical quantum physics. You know, like metaphysics is the feminine creative way of explaining it. Quantum physics is the masculine way. The masculine way is just facts. Metaphysics is poetry, you know, the singularity and the oneness, the same thing. So this is pretty much inevitable. And how we get there and how long it takes is probably going to be up to us. So I'd love mm -hmm. for, you know, Matthew, you go next. And then Victor, if you could share what you feel we can do in order to create that world within us. Well, like in, um, you know, Men in Black 3, the future hasn't yet been written, right? By, uh, who was that guy? The, the the guy that showed him that the Mets winning the World Series in 1969, right? Anyways, um, yeah, look, there's so many possible timelines here that we can take as a collective, right? The future is not fully written. The ascension is written, but how and when and what events take place and what events don't take place that is not yet fully written and that is up to what you know i i look at it like a mathematical algorithm right if we amalgamate all of the levels of consciousness of all eight billion humans right where are we at because that's the attracting mechanism right and that's also the attracting mechanism as to actually getting more direct assistance right there's so much indirect assistance that's happening all the time so many people including myself have wonderful direct channels with extraterrestrial beings and they're channeling guidance through us right so there there's always been that indirect assistance and at times on earth lemuria atlantis ancient egypt ancient sumeria there's been more direct experiences uh, direct um assistance that's why we can see it in the hieroglyphs etc right but what will call in more direct assistance in the ascension is when we as a whole as the, the amalgamation of the human consciousness reaches higher and higher levels right as we start to up level in frequency to the upper levels of the third density that opens um like we said before right uh, craig you said us as a planet joining the galactic federation like that's a real thing right mm -hmm. and that's something that i believe that i i don't think we're that far away i don't think we're more than a couple decades actually away from that right from that opening to occur but in in the interim i mean we can look at what's going on in the world and although it's not us, the light workers doing it, it's dark forces that are perpetuating war. There's more war now than there has been since the end of World War II, which is frightening, right? And my astrological predictions, you know, are showing much more war. The Syrians have warned us of more things to come. They said even look for, you know, February this year, for example, to, for something to happen. So there's in the short term, this decade, next decade, we can expect on any timeline more chaos, more war, more problems on the planet because there's just not enough of a, a, of the populace that has spiritually awoken yet. There is not enough of the populace that has, like you said, Victor, entered into the heart frequency that who, that are emanating love as we are as light workers. It's just not enough people yet. You you and I and you know those uh, watching. We are the early awakeners. We are the the 
the the A plus the you know the honor students, right? That you know that come from other star systems that have said, okay, we're going to be the planetary leaders while while most of the planet is still asleep. We see more and more evidence of the planet waking up. We see things like yoga and and tai chi and tarot and meditation and you know coaching and uh, just you know seeking out therapy rather than you know stuffing it all in, right? We see it more and more in the mainstream in the zeitgeist, right? But it's still just the early crumbs, and we can always see where we're at very in a very real way by looking at the news. Okay, there will be a time when the news is not showing us images of war because there is no more war. There will be a time when the news is is a probably a, a, a information uh, about what's going on in the galaxy, right? And probably connecting with different beings whether they're there or you know via via whatever technology right what's going on in the pleiades what's going on in sirius what's going on in arcturus etc right there will be a time but it's going to take decades at a minimum i would just add to that and to sort of pick up on what craig was saying before one of the gifts that they've given me is the gift of poetry. And I've written many poems over my lifetime. And one that I wrote a few years ago was called The Three L's. And I'm not going to give you the whole poem. But the three L's are concepts or gifts that we can give to one another. And if we embrace these three L's, we can change humanity. The first L is listen. Really listen and hear what everyone else is saying. Don't interject your own opinion. Don't try to change them. Don't make them wrong for their opinion. Just listen and listen with compassion. The second is look, to look with eyes of compassion, to recognize that whatever is going on for you, that's also going on for me. And what does what's happening to you reflect what's happening inside of me? And how can I learn from that? And how can we both get healed and grow in that process? And the final one is to love. Look, listen, and love. And if every human being can embrace that, that's where we have to start. We, can, we can't wait for them to come and, 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 and descend upon us and correct us. We have to start that correction ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's one more thing I'd like to share. Uh, my mother passed in January of 2020. And as soon as she passed, I started having these visions of circles and rings and circles and rings. And it brought this poem through me, and I'll share it with you very quickly. The path of great beauty in so many things, from atoms to galaxies, circles and rings. Natural wisdom that dwells there within, from naught to 360, that magical spin. We circle each other in gravity's dance, as Gaia circles soul, the solar romance. As Luna circles us in life-giving motion, drawing the tides and inner emotion. And the age of the oak is found in its rings, as in woman and man and all living things. And when the rings stop and life comes to an end, we'll all circle back and dance once again. <laughs> that wow. is so beautiful. Oh thank, so you. Beautiful. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I think that's a good note to close it out on. You know, so yeah, beautiful. I want to say um, thank you guys so much. Thank you. And um, just take a minute, just um, a few seconds each, and just let people know, you know, what you're up to and where they can find out more. And actually, Matthew and Craig, please let us know what you're going to be presenting on. Yeah. Uh, on uh, the sure. Sure. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead, Craig. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to be presenting on the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac and UFO Hotspots. 
Um, my two books uh, have a PowerPoint, which thank you, Neil. I learned how to do. I was playing around with it here earlier. Um, you can check out uh, my website where all my books are at autobiography of unanet.com. Autobiography of unanet.com. So you can find um, the uh, Tehran four part book series and ET Species Almanac. Um, I'm also the filmmaker of uh, Stranger at the Pentagon, the Valiant Thor story. Those are the posters behind me. And um, so you could go to strangeratthepentagon.com. You can watch a short film there, uh, won several awards. And um, I have all of Dr. Frank Strange's um, out-of-print books there, posters, all that kind of stuff. I, I have about six... Um, uh, DVDs left um, of the short film. So if anybody's interested, you can get them there. I sold the, the last bunch at the MUFON talk uh, last Sunday. So, um, all right, Matthew. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Um, so you can find, uh, well, first of all, my talk is Monday at I think 410 Eastern, 110 Pacific, right? Um, that's Discover Your Star Origin. So I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of what a star seed is versus what an earth seed is. I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of the densities, third density, fourth density, fifth, sixth, seventh, et cetera. I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of actually the, the mechanisms from, I would call it like a galactic quantum physics perspective of how you actually do come from, let's say Sirius or Arcturus or wherever to earth, right? What is a fractal? How do you actually create a fractal? How does that work? We're going to talk about, I'm going to give an overview of all sorts of different ET races that many of my clients have interacted with in the astral or even in the, in the physical over the years, many that I've interacted with in the astral, give you all sorts of traits of each uh, race and also traits of star seeds of those races. So if you're a Syrian star seed, why is it that you probably like water, right? If you are a Pleiadian star seed, why is it that you probably have had a focus on relationships in your ascension lifetime? If you're a Lyran Sarsid, why is it that you're probably pretty good at cooking or like traveling around, trying different cuisine? So I'm going to give you the basics of all sorts of different uh, Starseed races and how it basically manifests when you're on Earth. And we'll also talk a little bit about purpose as a Starseed and how you can actually figure out what your star, your, your, your purpose is from the perspective of your galactic soul or star origin soul. Um, mm -hmm. And also, if you want to find any of my stuff, it's youareadivinedhuman.org. I have a whole library of free articles, videos, et cetera. You can also check out all my programs, including my Ascending as One program. That's my signature mentorship program on Sundays. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Matthew, Craig. And I'm excited for these presentations and everybody tuning in. Tomorrow we go live. Obviously, if you're listening to this in the future, you can still sign up all of our, it's on our website, it's on the link in the bio, on Instagram. It's in the description of the YouTube videos that we're on. You can sign up. Only if you sign up do you get unlimited replay access. We're going to be live on all the channels, but as soon as it's over, it's removed from all the channels. You know, we've got to play play within the algorithm of YouTube. So it's going to be removed, and we'll just have the replays on our back end of our website. So portaltoascension.org. Sign up there if you want to tune in. Craig will be there presenting. Matthew will be there presenting. And 31 other presenters and seven MCs, okay? we got music. we got entertainment. 
We got a lot of different MCs because we like to make these things exciting. You know, sitting at your computer eight hours a day, you know, even I who do it full time kind of get tired of that sometimes. So we like to make it really entertaining, which is why you also get unlimited replay access. And Victor is going to be one of the MCs. So Victor, I want to hand it over to you. I would love to hear your intention for this event and to close out this whole um, panel with a poem. That'd be great if you can. I think that my intention, in addition to being an MC, and uh, I'm really excited about being the MC for Mary Rodwell. That would is really exciting me. I think yes. that would be a wonderful opportunity. Uh, but again, to share all of the messages that everyone is bringing, and these messages are, are powerful and I believe also positive messages. And I think for me, that's the essence of this. The essence of this is for us to recognize who we truly are. And when we recognize who we truly are, we have no choice but to care for and love one another. And I think that's, for me, that's the essence mm. of it. Amen. And my right. podcasts are on Ohm Times Radio. I have two podcasts. One is called Destination Unlimited. The other is called Vox Novus, ohmtimes.com. Beautiful. Do you want to, do you want to close it out with another poem? You know what? Let me, you got to give me a minute to pull it up because I wasn't prepared right. to do this, but if you bear with me for one second, I will pull it up. And I think this was the one that, might be the best here. Hang on one second. Actually, you know what? Not a poem. I'm going to share something else if I may. Yes, please. Um, one of the things that uh, I loved growing up in the 1960s and 70s was the band called the Moody Blues. I'm, I'm sure mm -hmm. most of you have heard of the Moody Blues. My, my Moody... dad, my dad loved. My dad passed away last year. He loved, loved the Moody Blues. Yeah. And Ju Justin Hayward, who was the lead singer and guitarist, uh, wrote a song in 1970 called "Question." And when I heard it the first time, it became in, ingrained in my heart. It became in, uh, embroidered into my heart. And the lyrics go like this. Why do we never get an answer when we're knocking at the door with a thousand million questions about hate and death and war? It's when we stop and look around us, there is nothing that we need in a world of persecution that is burning in its greed. Why do we never get an answer when we're knocking at the door because the truth is hard to follow, to swallow. That's what the war of love is for, the war of love. And then it goes into a softer refrain. It says, it's not the way that you say it when you do those things to me. It's more the way that you mean it when you tell me what will be. And when you stop and think about it, you won't believe it's true that all the love you've been giving has all been meant for you. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Beautiful. If you want to hear more poems from Victor's, come to the event over the next four days because he'll be he will have some more there. So Matthew, Craig, Victor, thank you so much, guys. Appreciate thank you. And see you guys at the conference. Thank you so much for tuning in to Portal to Ascension Radio. Be sure to visit portaltoascension.org to access our extensive library of presentations and sign up for exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Portal to Ascension. Now is the time that we've been waiting for, and we exist to assist in laying the foundation for a new world that works for the upliftment for all of humanity. Until next time, continue the quest, push the boundaries of your understanding, and we will all ascend to greater heights.